0: Thank you so much for that introduction, Tim. So like Tim said, we will be taking a journey today through OmicSoft as well as Ingenuity Pathway Analysis. And through these tools, we will take a drug and maybe look at some uh, indication expansion and drug repurposing. So with that, here is our uh, legal disclaimer. So the cryogen products shown here are intended for molecular biology applications. These products are not intended for the diagnosis, prevention or treatment of a disease. Now for today's webinar, we'd love to keep these interactive. So if you could, please fill out the polls that will be popping up throughout the meeting. Um, It's really helpful in getting us some feedback to make sure that we're tailoring this training as well as future trainings to suit your needs. And then also we have some folks on the line here. So Tim, we have Nicole and Paul, all sitting behind the scenes, waiting to take your questions that might arise throughout the talk. So please use that Q&A box that is located at the bottom of the screen there, if you have any questions that arise during the presentation. Um, This is also where I'll be taking some live uh, questions to uh, throughout the the, uh, webinar, through some live Q&A breaks. Another thing that's noteworthy is the raised hand button. So again, to try to keep things a little bit more interactive, I'll be asking you guys some questions and asking for the responses using this raised hand button. So that button should be located at the bottom of your screen. So at this time, if you guys could please click that raise hand button, just to make sure that everything is working and we are ready to go. Fabulous, it looks like it is working. Thank you guys so much for clicking on that button. Okay, so here's a brief overview of the agenda for today, and then I will walk through some slides, just kind of giving you a sneak preview to all the different things that we'll be generating today in OmicSoft and IPA. So uh, we will be using, like I said, we'll be using IPA and OmicSoft to guide us in some indication expansion and drug repurposing. So here we're gonna pick a drug and then chase it through to look and see uh, what sorts of relevant public studies and data are out there. Going to have a look at different somatic mutations of interest across uh, various different omics data sets. We'll then take and generate a cohort of both mutant and uh, wild type for these selected indications for our selected gene of interest. We can then go and examine and look at survival curves to see um, if there's any difference between mutant and wild type uh, status. We then will pop into IPA where we'll generate a network to help uh, test out different hypotheses in silico and get a better understanding of mechanisms of action. And then finally, we will explore public data that's available in IPA to try to find other indications or um, diseases that share similar biology with the network that we have generated here. So to tell the story for today, we have this use case set up where we are going to um, take our drug that we've developed that inhibits the activated PI3K-alpha isoform. So the uh, drug is approved in a subset of PIK3CA mutant metastatic breast cancer uh, patients. Now, one uh, thing just to remind you guys, if you're not up to speed on PIK3CA, PIK3CA is the name of the actual gene itself and then rather PI3K is um, speaking to the protein side of things. I was a little confused when I first started, um, started out with those things, so I wanted to clarify for you guys. So we will take this drug and we're gonna try to explore to see if we can broaden our um, indication selections. Maybe we can bring it into other cancers or even non-oncological uh, diseases here. So to do so, we are going to use uh, both ingenuity pathway analysis which is gonna give us um, a deeper look into the biology of this target of PIC3CA. And then we can use Omicsoft lands to explore actual uh, data to see things like survival curves, what's happening when things are um, overexpressed, underexpressed, so on and so forth. So the two lands that we'll be using today are going to be the International Cancer Genome Consortium. So this contains over, contains samples from over 50 different cancer types and subtypes. So this is gonna be a really helpful tool to ask the question of what other cancer indications also have a high rate of pic 3 ca mutations. We will also uh, dip into the TCGA or the Cancer Genome Atlas. This contains uh, lots of different omics data for clinical, da- for clinical patients from over 33 different cancer types. So this is gonna really help us ask the question of how do gene expression profiles differ between pictr ca mutant and wild type patients? So really quickly, let's just review some of the uh, views that we'll be generating today. So in Omicsoft, we will go and have a look at the gene itself and see what types of somatic mutations are present. We'll see here that we have a couple different hotspots for somatic mutations. We can then take those two hotspots and kind of dig into it a little closer to say, you know, what indications are these, uh, tending to be pretty prevalent in. So of course, at the very top of the screen here, we can see that breast and cervical cancers are certainly very high for these uh, hotspot mutations in PIC3CA, which we kind of knew because our drug already kind of goes after uh, breast cancer patients. So uh, the thing that's really interesting that's rising out of this uh, plot here is that we can see that oral cancers seem to be kind of next in line for uh, most prevalent PIC3CA mutations. So we're going to chase that uh, specific indication down throughout the rest of our webinar here. So the first thing that we'll do is uh, double check and ask the question, okay, within our oral cavity uh, cancer patients, folks that have a wild type uh, for PIC3CA versus PIC3CA mutant alpha activating mutations, are there any differences between uh, survival of these two different patient cohorts? So along the x-axis down here, you can see that we have our survival um, plotted out in days. And then across the y-axis, we have our percent survival here. So when we look at the PIC3CA wild type patients, it looks like there is definitely a little bit Uh, better survival for these patients versus the PIK3CA mutant patients shown here in blue. So now that we have crossed our Ts and dotted our Is to say, yes, this looks like an interesting target to go after, we can then take and plot some relevant genes for the PIK3CA network to have a look and see how these things are acting differently depending on maybe the different tumor types, or their different uh, mutation statuses here. So I've divvied up this heat map that is displaying across our X-axis. These are all of the different uh, samples that are in, Onco, um, in Oncoland, and then all of our relevant genes are gonna be across the uh, Y-axis here. And I've gone ahead and chosen to sort these uh, samples by tumor type and then by mutation uh, present. And we can see here by my dotted lines that I've drawn on this heat map that we are kind of sorting out into four different interesting quadrants, right? So it looks like we have a group of samples um, maybe on the right-hand side that look to be from the cervical and head and neck uh, tumor types that are behaving differently than the folks that are uh, breast cancer patients that are over here on the left-hand side. So this could be a really interesting uh, phenomenon to dig into, perhaps an IPA to figure out why exactly these patients are uh, are, uh, different um, when compared to each other. So once we have sorted through things in OmicSoft, we can go then chase down the biology of the pic 3 ca gene and the PI3K uh, protein, and we can draw out some some networks here that'll help us elucidate this mechanism of action. So we could take pic 3 ca and pop it onto a blank canvas and ask IPA to connect it to oral cancer. And when it does, we will use a tool that will help us connect these uh, two different nodes and show us what all of the intermediate molecules are in between these two uh, individual nodes of PIC3CA and oral cancer. We can then take it a step further and uh, pretend that we are upregulating PIC3CA here and figure out what is happening to the rest of this network when we increase the expression or prevalence of uh, PIC3CA activating kind of mutations in our um, samples here. So you'll see that it definitely um, elicits effect on all of these intermediate molecules. Some of them are being uh, predicted to be decreased. Some of them are predicted to be increased. But overall, we can see that we have this increased uh, prevalence of oral cancer when we have increased expression of PIC3CA. So the orange is indicating that activated state. And again, that blue is indicating a predicted inhibited state. Now, what happens when we say introduce a PIC3CA inhibitor into the system? Well, that in turn is going to decrease uh, the amount of PIC3CA because it's a activating uh, mutation inhibitor here. So it'll decrease PIC3CA shown in this or, uh, in this uh, green, which will then elicit an effect on all of our intermediate molecules here. Some of them are getting increased in expression. Some of them are getting decreased in expression. But all in all, that elicits an effect on oral cancer that shows to be a prediction of uh, inhibition of oral cancer shown here in that blue color. So that's interesting when we add in a uh, PIC3CA inhibitor that's gonna decrease the um, incidence of oral cancer here. Another very cool feature of IPA is that we can ask the question of, hey, where else do I see similar um, biological happenings going on out in the publicly available data? So we can say, all right, I wanna see where else PIC3CA is getting uh, decreased and eliciting some sort of decrease on maybe oral cancer or any of these other um, intermediate molecules here. So we can do this through our pattern search function. So what pattern search is going to do is it's gonna take that very same network and uh, prediction status that we saw on the screen before and find out which data sets that we have in IPA that are uh, matching. So each one of these little dots is going to represent an individual data set. So everybody over here on the right-hand side is showing us that we are matching to what we saw on that previous screen. So that HIC3CA um, inhibited or and uh, oral cancer inhibited with all of those intermediate molecules kind of doing their thing in the middle. Versus over here on the left-hand side, These are all data sets where they are anti-matching to the publicly available data sets. So these would be situations where PIC3CA is uh, increased and some of those uh, network molecules are doing the opposite of what we saw on that previous screen here. So again, we can hover over or select these individual dots to figure out what these data sets are and how they might be relevant to our um, studies. So this is really where we're gonna dig in and try to look for um, maybe other indications that are showing us that um, share similar biology. So that's whether they are oncological or non-oncological uh, samples, which is pretty cool. Now with that, I am gonna launch a poll here to um, ask the question, You know, are these types of illustrations things that you guys wanted to see today? Um, Is this story, um, you know, making sense to you and something that you are interested in finding out a little bit more. So if you have any other thoughts that you would like to address while we are hanging out together today, please feel free to use that Q&A box. We are more than happy to um, answer those questions live during our Q&A breaks. Okay, so to review our agenda, we are going to talk about our, um, our OmicSoft and we're gonna generate some visualizations. So before we do this, let's go ahead and just talk about what OmicSoft lands are. So what we have here is a collection of over 650,000 disease relevant samples. So what we've gone ahead and done is we have taken, and take, taken these samples and put them into three individual buckets. So one of them is Oncoland, and that is the one that we will be playing in today. We have many different projects. We have loads of pre-computed comparisons, uh, over, you know, almost 260,000 different samples from different consortia, cell lines, um, patient samples, what have you. If you're interested in non-oncological diseases, we also have disease land. So this is once again, where you'll find lots and lots of different samples as well as pre-computed comparisons, projects, so on and so forth. And then last but certainly not least, we have our single cell land. So these are, um, this is where you're gonna find lots of different cell, uh, individual cell line or sorry, single cell data. So whether that's through um, you know a 10X type approach or some of the other single cell, um, approaches out there. And this is gonna be a mixture of non-oncological as well as oncological uh, diseases. And certainly our single cell land is growing uh, every single day with new data. So what we do with our OmicSoft soft lands is we have a whole team of curation scientists that go out and they select data that might be important for researchers like you. So they'll go through uh, and read different uh, papers, They'll go through different uh, databases and consortia. We love taking customer requests as well. So if you guys ever come across something that you find to be really interesting, give us a shout and we can get that into our curation queue. So what these curation scientists are doing, there's two different avenues that they're going with all of this data. So the first route that they're taking is they're going and they're doing some really in-depth metadata curation. This is where we have multiple curators looking over all of these papers and databases. We're boiling down all of the key takeaway findings using controlled vocabulary, because this allows us to um, build a database that's really easy to query and search across. And we're also um, implementing the highest quality metadata QC, because as we all know, um, garbage in, garbage out. So we wanna make sure that all of this data is um, is of the utmost quality for you guys to be able to use. The other avenue that these curation scientists are going is they're taking all of this raw data and we are reprocessing it. So we are reprocessing all this data using similar pipelines. So you can rest assured that all um, say RNA sequencing has gone through a similar pipeline to allow for a more harmonious and kind of apples to apples comparison across all of these different data, data sets. Also, once again, we are undergoing a very rigorous sample QC to make sure that our um, data that is going into OmicSoft Lands is of the utmost quality. Now, once it's gone through that metadata curation and raw signal processing, we hand it over to the data analysis team, where they'll have a look at the paper and and, uh, generate what type of statistical modeling makes sense here, what types of comparisons make sense. And then once again, we have another point of stringent QC that all of this data goes through. So all of these samples and um, data are all then deposited into our lands database, which then, I, you know, like I said before, it contains over those, those uh, 650,000 different disease relevant samples here. Now you don't have to take just our word for it. Um, except lands and IPA have been used uh, quite often out in literature. So this is just a very quick kind of snippet of three headlines or uh, rather journal article titles from Google scholars. So feel free to give that a um, search yourself and see what pops up here. So just a quick reminder of our use case for training today. We are going to um, be chasing down PIK3CA mutant uh, samples, right? We have a drug that inhibits the activated PI3K alpha isoform. So let's take that drug that's been approved in metastatic breast cancer um, patients that are mutant for PIK3CA. Let's take that drug and see if we can um, use it in other cancer indications or potentially non-oncological diseases. So with that, I'm gonna pop over into the software um, itself. So we are going to start our journey in uh, Omicsoft right here. So let's just get a quick lay of the land to make sure that we all kind of know what's going on on the screen before we start digging into some of the data here. So you'll see at the very top of the screen here, we have a few different tabs. So primarily today, we're gonna be playing around in our land tab. However, we do have an analysis tab. So you, if you guys are looking to maybe do some differential expression uh, yourself through maybe microarray or um, RNA sequencing or even doing uh, single cell sequencing analysis, we do have the ability to do that in OmicSoft and that will be all available under the analysis tab. We have lots of different uh, webinars that show you how to do that. So feel free to, um, have a look at those um, whenever you have a chance. The next place that we will be going to visit today is going to be our select lands button. So that is located at the top of the screen here, top left. The select land button will show you um, all of the different databases that we have available for you to look at. So mine might look different than what you guys have, but um, what you'll have listed here is all the lands that you have access to. The next spot that we'll visit is gonna be our Select View button. So this will allow us to look at different views of all this data. Maybe we wanna look at the somatic mutations or the RNA um, quantification information. So this is where we'll um, switch from those different views using that button right here. The next place that will be important is our filtering uh, pane here. So this is where we can apply all sorts of different metadata filters on a sample level, a project level, even mutation level, as you'll see in our um, walkthrough today. So we can expand all of these using the little plus signs or the filter icons here, but this is where we're gonna um, slice and dice all of the data to get out the indications that matter to us most. On the bottom here, we'll notice some other action tools. So this is where we're, we will go to create a cohort or a sample set. This is also where you can clear out selections if you've selected, um, selected things in this center pane here. So the center pane is where all of our visualizations are going to appear. So right now we are looking at um, just very simply how many samples do we have for all sorts of different tumor types um, in our selected land of interest? Uh, Here, and you'll notice over on the right-hand side, we have our legend, which is helping us figure out what all of these different colors uh, mean here. So that is under the legend tab over here on the right-hand side. Now, if we wanted to manipulate anything that we saw in the middle here, this is where we are going to visit our task tab. So this task tab is going to be all sorts of different ways that we can group or parse out different data, maybe switch, um, switch the way that we're viewing things, but all of that is going to be listed underneath that task tab uh, over here on the right-hand side. So without further ado, let's go and launch into our International Cancer uh, Genome Consortium land. So we are gonna go to the top of the screen here, click our select land, and you'll notice that we have a whole list of different lands. We have our body map collection, we have our cell line collection, disease land collection, all sorts of different collections here. But as we scroll down, you'll notice that we have our Uncle Land collection that contains a lot of different lands here. So the first one that we're gonna visit today is going to be this ICGC B37 land. So B37 is referring to what genome build was used uh, to generate this land here. So go ahead and click on that ICGC land there. So once again, going to select land, scrolling down to Oncoland Collection, and then ICGC. So once that uh, grabs the data, so in my case, I have pre-parsed this data, but it might take a few seconds for um, yours to catch up to um, view all of this data on the screen here. But once it has finished parsing, the first thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna go and search for our gene of interest. So at the very top of the screen here, we have our search box. So here I'm gonna just simply type in PIC3CA and you'll see that you get a whole bunch of different um, quick options that pop up down below here. Maybe you wanna see different uh, PIC3CA family members or isoforms, what have you, they're all gonna be listed here. But I'm just gonna choose our top level gene for uh, PIC3CA here and click on the enter button. Now, the first spot that we want to go to is gonna ask um, just the question of what types of uh, mutations do we have present in pic 3 ca Where do they live on the gene? Um, Are they uh, alpha activating, so on and so forth? Are they pathogenic? Um, Answer all those questions. So to do this, we are going to change the view that we see in the middle here. So we're gonna go over to our select view button that I pointed out before in the top left-hand corner of the screen here. Select view. We're gonna scroll down to the DNA sequencing area. That um, area we are going to expand out by clicking on these little down arrows. And you'll see that we have a few options here for somatic mutations. So the first one that we're going to visit is going to be our genome browser somatic mutation. So again, we went to select view. We scroll down to DNA sequencing opened up the options there and clicked on the genome browser. This will show us an overview of the PIC3CA gene itself and give us an idea of where and how these uh, muta- uh, mutations are interacting with the gene here. So we're presented at the very top with the summary lollipop uh, graph here. So the taller these lollipop sticks are, the more uh, prevalent these mutations are. So. PIC3CA, the top three uh, most relevant or prevalent alpha activating uh, mutations are going to be this H1047R. And when I hover over this little lollipop, you'll get a whole bunch more information that pops up. And you'll see here is our um, amino acid mutation name, this H1047R. It is classified as pathogenic so on and so forth as well as all sorts of other information. And then we have our E545K and E542K. So these three mutations make up uh, most of the alpha activating mutations that we can target with a, um, that pic 3 ca inhibiting drug here. So let's take a deeper look at these three mutations and find out what indications tend to have uh, more mutations uh, uh, um, prevalent for these three different alpha-activating mutations. So what we're gonna do now is we are gonna go over back to our select view button. We're gonna change from our uh, mutation browser over into our DNA sequencing area once again, but we're gonna switch over into our somatic mutation distribution View here. So again, select view, DNA sequencing, somatic mutation distribution. This is going to give us a lay of the land for all of the different um, types of mutations that are uh, present in PIC3CA. And you can see all of these different colors are shown um, here over on the right in our legend uh, tab. So this is gonna be across all of the different tumors that are present in the ICGC uh, database. So first off, let's go ahead and filter to those three different distinct mutations that we wanna go after. So again, it was that um, um, H1047R, E545K and E542K. So we're gonna visit our filters um, over here on the left-hand side, and you'll notice that we have a few different um, levels that we can apply filters at. We can do this at the sample level, the mutation level, or the project level. So let's go ahead and click on the mutation tab here to really hone in on those specific amino acid um, changes there. So I'm gonna go into our gene information. So one thing to note here, you'll notice that some of these fonts are in red, Some of them are in black. So these uh, red fonts are indicating that there has been a filter that has already been applied underneath this uh, grouping of metadata here. So for gene information, it looks like we already have a filter for for location and consequence um, applied for our view here. But as we scroll down, you'll notice that we have this other metadata field called AA mutation. Another quick uh, tip is if you're looking for a metadata field and you don't feel like scrolling through this huge list, we do have this search box at the top here. We can just very simply type in AA uh, and be presented with everything that matches that. So here we have AA mutation. So we could expand out the little plus sign to look at all of the different mutations or we can save ourselves a little time and just click on this little filter icon next to AA mutation. This will give us a pick list um, of all the different mutations that are present for uh, PIC3CA across um, ICGC. So let's go find our three uh, relevant mutations. So that's going to be our E542K, so that's right there. So grab that guy. We will also grab our E545K. So I'm just holding down my control button to um, multi-select here. And then we're gonna scroll down and grab our H1047R. And once we have those three mutations highlighted, highlighted we're gonna go ahead and click on that okay button. So this now will show us um, all of the different tumor types across ICD-C that have one of these three different mutations. So once again, at the top here, we see lots of different breast cancer um, samples. We also see cervical cancer, so that is not surprising. Um, But the one thing that we're gonna chase down today is this oral cancer um, indication bar. So you'll notice here that we have quite a few uh, patients that seem to be uh, presenting with mutations for these alpha-activating PIC3CA mutations. Right around about seven percent of uh, mutated samples possess one of these mutations. So from here, we can go and have a look at um, have a look at these three individual mutations a little bit deeper. So we're going to go into our select view uh, button once again, top uh, left-hand uh, corner of the screen here. We're going to scroll down to DNA sequencing once again, and we're going to pop over into our somatic mutation landscape view. So this will give us a little deeper look at these three individual mutations themselves. So again, select view, DNA sequencing, and that is going to be our somatic mutation landscape. So first thing first, let's release the filters that we have here. So to reset our filters, we're gonna go and click on our manage filters, and we can also click on this clear all filters that will remove all the filters that we had here. And you'll notice all of that red font now is in uh, black font. So in the middle here, we see a uh, chart of all of the different PIC3CA mutations and their um, annotation type. So what we want to do is first, we are going to uh, filter to oral cancers. So in our filtering capabilities on the left-hand side, We're gonna open up our sample level filters. And then once again, we're gonna open up our metadata filters by clicking on this little uh, plus sign next to metadata. So from here, there are a ton of different options that we can use, but one that tends to be pretty helpful, um, doesn't matter which database you're in, this disease state will really help describe um, the different diseases that we have present in these uh, databases. So here I'm gonna go ahead and click on my little uh, filter icon to give myself that pick list to choose from. And I'm gonna just scroll down and look for oral cancer, uh, cavity cancer. Alternatively, you could uh, type it into the search box at the top here to quickly um, snap to it. So once I've highlighted oral cancer, I'm gonna click on my okay button. Now this will present us with a um, kind of zoomed in view of all oral cancers and what the prevalence of um, different mutations are within these oral cancers. So lo and behold, we have our um, three PIK3CA mutations of of interest here. We have our uh, 10H47R, when I click on that bar, it's gonna show us all of the details for those samples down below. So feel free to um, have a look at that or even um, export it if that's something that you would like to do. But we're interested in those three different mutations. So I'm gonna go and click on the three bars here. So both of uh, my E545K and E542K bars. And now what we can do is we can make a subset of patients that are mutant for one of these three mutations or wild type for one of these three mutations. So to do this, like I uh, showed you here, I'm gonna use my control button and I'm gonna select on those three bars that are pertaining to the mutations of interest. And I'm gonna travel down into our action area, the bottom uh, left-hand corner of the screen here. and I'm gonna choose my create sample set. This is where we can generate a cohort and group based on mutant status for these three mutations. So we have a few different options here, but primarily what we want to do is we want to group our samples based on our selection here. So you guys are going to choose this group sample set from selection and then click on OK. So what this is going to do is going to give us a huge list of all of our samples, and it will uh, show us whether or not something is mutant for one of those three uh, mutations or um, not here. So let's go ahead and click on uh, that OK button. So here we can go ahead and um, name it something relevant. So we will just call it webinar uh, PIP3CA mutant. Excuse my spelling here. We can add a tag to make it uh, easy to find. In this case, we already have PIC3CA listed as a tag. So I'm just going to simply check this. I'm also going to check on the private set so that doesn't clutter up my um, database for other users. I'm going to go over into my metadata tab over here and you'll see um, which samples were selected or which samples were uh, um, uh, not selected from this data set. So here we can go and actually just double click on selected to change this to something more relevant. So in this case, we'll just say is this sample mutant for one of those three PIC3CA activating mutations. So I will type the word mutant with a question mark, hit enter, and that will now change this uh, value here to the question of mutant. The answer would be yes, or it would be no. Once I'm all set with all of this, I can go ahead and click on this upload button, and that will help generate the sample cohort to use for um, later um, access here. So you can see here we got this so subscribed uh, option. So I'll go ahead and um, click this OK button, just saying, Yep, I'm good with the fact that we subscribed to this. So now what we're going to do um, is actually let's take a short Q&A break. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a break early, just because we did go through a lot of information here. Um, so Tim, if we have any questions that have um,
1: popped up in chat, I am more than happy to take them now. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Kristen. So before we take some uh, q and I'm just going to copy and paste a couple of things into the chat box. The first one is today's slides. So for those of you who joined a little bit later, Uh, feel free to download Kristen's slides using the link provided. I'm also going to paste in the link for the IPA certification program that we are having. So the deadline to register is September 30th. So if you're interested in learning more about IPA, getting certified, please feel free to access that link. And then the last one that I'm going to talk about is our services team. So for those of you who may have to rely on bioinformaticians or contract out your RNA-seq, single-cell RNA-seq uh, curation, we do have a bioinformatics services team here at Kaigen who are more than capable of analyzing your data for you. So feel free to access that as well. And then I'm going to go ahead and launch a poll for this Q and A break. So uh, Kristen, so what if users go into Omicsoft and they can't find the data that they're looking for in terms of their disease state? So what if they're working in a rare disease state and perhaps there are not that many samples or data sets available, what can they do?
0: Yeah, there's a few different options here. So I guess um, the first kind of question that is um, seated within that question would be, What do we even have in um, Omicsoft lands, right? So uh, when we click on the select land button here, we'll be met with a whole bunch of different options. So if you're working on a rare disease, you'll probably wanna check out our disease land collections, have a look at our human disease, mouse rat disease, if you'd like, and then you can cruise through once you're in there, all of the metadata fields and disease states to see what types of diseases we have in here. Another helpful uh, place to look would be in our help uh, menu up here. That will give us access to our release white papers where we can then go into the disease land release to have a look at what types of data and databases that we've grabbed and deposited into our lands here. So you can see all sorts of different information including the pipeline information. So that can be really handy. So if you don't find that you have a lot of data here, one of the other options would be to create, um, work with our services team to create your own land. So maybe you have a lot of data that's already in hand um, at your organization or institution, you can work with our services team and we can build you um, your very own land that you can be able to run all of these queries across in OmicSoft. Please feel free to um, check out that link that Tim sent in the chat box there if you are interested in generating your own land from your own uh, generated data.
1: Great, Kristen. And another question is in regards to making some sample sets. So in this particular case, is it possible to use cancer subtypes? So for example, in breast cancer, we have ER, PR, uh, HER2 versus triple negative breast cancer? Would it be possible to make sample sets based off of those?
0: Absolutely. So as you can see here um, in this particular uh, option here, we have lots and lots of metadata here. So in this metadata, we might have um, the different uh, clinical um, ER, uh, HR positive, negative, so on and so forth. So, just like we did here, what you do is you would go in and um, apply those filters, and then you can use this create sample set um, action at the bottom of the screen here and say, you know, I want to subset my um, ER, uh, HR positive patients from the rest of them. So, you can select those um, patients there to group them using that sample set uh, button down here but please feel free to reach out to us. I know there's a lot of metadata fields here. So if you feel like you're lost and you're trying to figure out where that metadata field is or have questions about what it's even titled, please reach out to us. Um, We are more than happy to help you out with that.
1: Thank you, Kristen, for that um, answer. And I know you have more to cover. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass it back to you and uh, have you give us another uh, chapter to this story.
0: Sounds good, thank you so much, Tim. Okay, so now that we have uh, gone through on how to create our sample cohort, so we've taken our um, patients and we've divvied them up into patients that possess a PIK3CA activating mutation versus those that are wild type for those three different mutations. And we're gonna just double check to make sure that we are chasing down the correct rabbit hole and ask the question of um, does this affect, do these mutations affect um, survival of these oral cancer patients? So what we're going to do is we're going to go up here to our select view uh, button once again. We're going to scroll all the way to the bottom to where we see these other views. You're going to expand out these other views. So all the way to the bottom, expand them out. And you'll see that we have this survival data um, available here. So go ahead and give that a click there. So again, select view, other views, survival data. So first and foremost, we are um, honed in onto to our oral cancer patients. We can see this because we have one blue line. Um, we have a legend at the bottom of the screen. We have a legend over here on the right-hand side of the screen. And we also can double check our filters over here. We see that we have a filter applied under metadata in our disease state that's showing us um, that we have that oral cancer uh, disease state filter applied here. So that's um, good to know that we're looking at just oral cancer um, patients. So now we want to go ahead and group this uh, survival curve based on whether you're wild type or one of those three mutations, or you have one of those um, PIC3CA activating mutations. So at the top of the screen here, um, the way we're gonna go about this um, this time is gonna be through this grouping grouping button here. So go ahead and give that grouping button a click. Here we can choose to um, group Based on different metadata fields. So, kind of speaking to like that, um, maybe you want to look at, you know, ER positive patients and HR positive patients or, not, you know, all of those other subtypes here. We can choose those to automatically group um, our patients into those. But for our case, I'm going to scroll all the way to the bottom of this screen here. Then we're going to choose to group based on our sample set here. So, I'm going to open up our sample sets. And you'll see that we have a few different options here. Now, if you don't see the option that you just created when we made that cohort, what you're going to do, this happens all the time, so I did want to show you guys how to get out of this. We're going to go ahead and click on cancel. And all you're simply going to do is go to the top of the search box here and just rerun your query. This is just gonna kind of update things in the background to show that that, uh, sample set that we just generated here. So once again, clicking on that grouping, we're gonna scroll to the bottom of it, of the um, automatic grouping list here. We're gonna choose our sample set. And when we open that up, bingo, we can see the filter that we just created together. So that webinar, Pick3CA Mutant, now is showing up since we refreshed our screen here. So we're gonna go ahead and um, open that up. And you can see that we can select whether, um, we can select our cohort here that will now group patients into, are they mutant for one of those three or are they not? So we're gonna go ahead and click on the OK button. And we can see here that in the uh, green line, they are our patients that are mutant for um, one of those three alpha activating mutations here. And they do have poor, poorer survival than folks that are wild type for one of those three mutations. Once again, this is only in um, oral cancer patients because we have that uh, filter applied over here on the left-hand side. Okay, so now that we have figured out, okay, PIC3CA uh, mutations, we have our top three activating uh, mutations for PIC3CA. We know that oral cancer is an indication that we would like to potentially um, expand into from our breast cancer um, approved uh, patients here. So let's go over to our other software IPA and have a look at um, how PIC3CA affects oral cancer and uh, elucidate things like mechanism of action and really set the stage for testing out different hypotheses over there. So before we do this, I am going to slip back into my slides. to just kind of speak to um, what IPA is comprised of. So now um, IPA is a causal analytics tool that is powered by the Chiagen Knowledge Base. This knowledge base is a culmination of over two decades of expert literature curation. This is where that same team of curation scientists that went out and grabbed sample information, they're going out and they're grabbing knowledge information. So we're going through different papers and clinical trials, different omics data sources, and we are manually reading all of these uh, papers and databases, and we are boiling down all of the key takeaway findings using controlled vocabulary to deposit them into our knowledge base. So all of our gene-gene relationships, protein-gene relationships, all of the different uh, relationships under the sun, are uh, gathered from all of these different resources and deposited into our database. Now this uh, number actually was just recently updated, I believe we're up over uh, 12.6 million research findings that are all accessible to you in our Kyogen knowledge base here. So to access this knowledge base information, this is where IPA um, comes into play and taps into that knowledge base information to allow for um, high quality causality prediction. You can always rest assured that this database is updated too because we do go in and update um, with new findings on a weekly basis as well as larger uh, updates of say consortia or um, ease of use updates on a quarterly basis as well. So back over into our um, softwares. So I'm going to go ahead and launch IPA. And when I do, the very first thing that we are going to see is a quick reference uh, screen. So this is a wonderful place to get started, um, where we have all sorts of different um, step-by-step tutorials. We have ways to contact our support team. Um, Again, all sorts of ways to get you started. So here is the software just started up. So here's that quick start screen that I was explaining. So feel free to have a look through here. If you are new to analyzing um, data in it, we have lots of different walkthroughs here. I'm gonna actually close out of the quick start screen and um, start building a network from scratch. So to do so, um, I wanna connect pic 3 ca to our um, chosen indication of oral cancer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take advantage of our um, search box at the top of the window here. I am going to make sure that I am selected on genes and chemicals. So this is highlighted in blue and I'm simply going to just type in my uh, gene name. So pick 3CA. You'll see that we get a uh, kind of quick autocomplete list of a few top hits here. But to be able to see all of the information, we're going to go ahead and click on that search button. This will give us a full list of everything that we have in our knowledge base that um, pertains to PIC3CA. And you can go down the list and choose which ones um, are most relevant to you. So for our case, this very top one is uh, most relevant. So I'm gonna go ahead and click on that little checkbox that's next to this first uh, PIC3CA. And then I'm gonna click on my add to uh, my pathway button right here. This is gonna drop this PIC3CA symbol onto a blank canvas for us to uh, build from. So here we have the option to either drop it onto a canvas that we've already started and saved somewhere, or we can choose this blank canvas. So at the top here, I'm gonna click on our new My Pathway. And you'll see we have PIC3CA all by its lonesome in the middle of the screen here. So now, like I said, I would like to connect uh, PIC3CA to any um, oral cancers downstream and just figure out how they are affecting um, oral cancer. So to do so, I'm gonna go back to the top of the screen here to my search box. I'm gonna switch my search over to diseases and functions and I'm gonna clear out this box here and I'm gonna type in oral cancer. Again, we get our our kind of pick list of the top um, hits here, but I'm gonna wanna see everything um, and choose for myself. So I'm gonna go ahead and click on that search button. So here we're gonna get a list of all of the diseases and functions that uh, closely match with oral cancer. You'll notice that this list is huge and goes on forever for all sorts of different um, levels of matching to oral cancer. So one thing to keep your eyes on is going to be this column over here on the right-hand side. So associated molecules, you can think of this as the more associated molecules there are with these uh, different diseases or functions, the more umbrella this term will be. So this very top one is going to be oral tumor. So that has 2015 uh, different associated molecules. So that one is going to contain all sorts of different oral uh, tumor sam- uh, sample knowledge information. I wanna get a little bit um, better than that and just choose oral cancer. Cause I don't care about anything that might be um, benign or something like that. So here when I selected oral cancer, I'm selecting on one that's a little more kind of uh, pointed to the question that I'm asking here. And once I select that um, specific disease or function, I'm gonna go up to my add to my pathway uh, button once again. And I'm gonna choose to drop it on the pathway that we um, just started. So that canvas that we have PIC3CA on is titled new my pathway one. So I'm gonna choose that pathway one. It's gonna ask us, do we wanna drop all of those molecules or just the diseases or functions or both? So we're going to just simply click on just the disease or function. So I only have one, uh, one item dropped onto my canvas here. So now we have pick 3 ca by itself, oral cancer by itself. Now the next step of the journey is going to be um, connecting these two together. We can do this kind of uh, wild west or willy nilly by using some of our build tools at the top here. When we click on that little button, We have all sorts of different options where we can use the grow functionality to grow out from Pick3CA and see everything upstream or downstream of that. We can't just simply connect and say, show me every single connection that you have between my highlighted molecules of interest. Or we can use a very directed approach to help us not create a um, kind of bird's nest of all sorts of different connections here. And that is gonna be our Path Explorer. So again, under our Build button here, we're gonna click on that and in that Build Toolbox, we're gonna go to Path Explorer. This is going to allow us to ask a very directed question of how does PIC3CA, so I just highlighted that by dragging a box around it. It's turned blue. How is PIC3CA, which we're gonna add over here to Set A. So click on that Add button. How does this guy affect set B or oral cancer? So I'm gonna highlight oral cancer and add that, add that into my set B box by clicking on that add button. So again, asking the question of how does pic ca affect oral cancer? And we can set the directionality of that question right here in the middle and ask, how does set A affect set B? So here we can click on that apply button, if you were interested in say, seeing only kinases or things that are detectable in plasma, there's all sorts of different filter um, criteria that we can use down here, but we're gonna keep the gates wide open here and just click on the apply button with no filters um, present. So the first thing that's gonna pop up on the right-hand side here will be all of our shortest paths between these two nodes. So between pic 3 c oral cancer. So we have one shortest path between these two guys. So I'm gonna click that little checkbox next to the path next to the PIC3CA to oral cancer, and then click on add to my pathway. And you'll notice that we have a line that connects these two uh, nodes here. If you wanted to find out more about this relationship, just simply double click on this line and it will bring up a relationship summary where it will show you that we have six findings that are supporting a causation relationship. You have 36 different findings supporting a correlation relationship, so on and so forth. And you'll get this really nice handy kind of cliff notes, abbreviated description of what this uh, relationship is. And then finally, if you wanted to go out and see all of the papers that our curation scientists have read and got all of this information from, you can go ahead and click on this little link at the top here which will launch a webpage that will list out all of the um, supporting articles that we have in our knowledge base here. Okay, so we've created this um, very kind of sparse uh, network here where we're connected PIC3CA to oral cancer. Now let's up the ante a little bit and um, bring in some other hops between PIC3CA and oral cancer. So I'm gonna uh, joke around now about a uh, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon type situation. If you guys know what I'm talking about, great. But what we're doing here is we're asking the question of how does PIC3CA affect oral cancer, but maybe with some intermediate molecules in between, meaning PIC3CA maybe hits on uh, AKT, which then uh, touches oral cancer somehow. So what I did here is I went over to our view dropdown where I selected um, this little arrow here and I changed from our shortest path, which just showed us one, over to our shortest path plus one. So this is one hop in between these two nodes here. And you can see here, we have 102 different um, intermediate molecules or degrees of separation really between these two different nodes here. Now, if I wanted to add all 102 of these different nodes, I can absolutely do so by clicking on this top level checkbox here and clicking on the Add to My Pathway. Or I can go through and more selectively select uh, different uh, relationships here by clicking or unclicking different uh, relationships. This list down here is ordered by um, how many supporting references we have in the knowledge base. So just keep that in mind as you're building your network. So from here, we end up with this kind of bird's nest looking uh, Epcot Center, whole bunch of lines and molecules. So let's sort this out into something that's a little bit more usable as a view by clicking on our change view button right here. So here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to select this bottom one, the subcellular view, since folks really love to um, see this view. What it does is it takes all of our molecules and it sorts them into where they live inside of the cell, which can be very, very helpful um, down the road here. So we have our PIC3C in the middle, we have our oral cancer, and then all of these intermediate molecules that are playing into this particular network. So this gives us kind of an idea of what's going on with mechanism of action. So let's uh, switch things up a little bit and we're gonna travel back over into OmicSoft now that we have our network uh, created and ready to go uh, down the line here. So I'm gonna flip back over into OmicSoft and we are going to change the database that we're working with. So right now, um, previously we were looking at that International Cancer Genome um, or in- International Cancer Yeah Genome Consortium. So we're going to change this over to um, the TCGA or the Cancer Genome Atlas um, collection here. So we're going to scroll down to our OncoLand collection. Scroll down this huge list of different um, things we can access. So we see our TCGA, we're gonna start, we are going to rather grab the most uh, up to um, current version. So this is TCGA B38, GC33. Again, B38 is referring to the genome build and GC33 is the um, annotation file used within this database. So I'm gonna go ahead and click that um, land to bring that up on the screen here. So TCGA. You can see here at the top, we have some uh, tabs that we had left open. You can choose to clean those up if you would like to start with a nice fresh screen or um, leave them open, whatever suits your um, mood. So the first thing that we're gonna do here is now that we're in TCGA, the next question is going to be, hey, from that network that we generated in IPA, so I'm gonna go back to that network really quick, What does the expression of all of these genes that are relevant for this particular pathway, what does that look like? Is it different between mutant and wild type patients? So on and so forth. So if you wanted to export this list of all of these molecules that exist on this network, we can use all of our export capabilities at the top. The easiest one would be um, the Excel um, export. We can just export the list of the genes and pop them into OmicSoft. So what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna actually take an abbreviated list of genes just so we're not all having to look at a million different genes. I'm gonna pop this into uh, the chat box if you're following along with me, um, a list of uh, 12 different genes that are important and involved in the PI3K-AKT-MTOR pathway. There are important genes in uh, cell cycle regulation, cell growth, all of the stuff that's usually involved in um, tumorigenesis gen- or you know, different cancer um, cancer biology. So again, I'm gonna take this gene list. And before we were searching just on that one individual gene, pic 3 ca What we're gonna do is we're now gonna search for multiple genes in Omicsoft, in TCGA, by clicking on this advanced button. So we're gonna click on that advanced button. You'll see here where we have this option to search multiple genes. So I'm gonna go ahead and click on that. And then here, we can just very simply paste in our gene list of interest. So again, that list that I popped into the chat box, I just pasted here. Looks like we have our 12 genes. If we had invalid genes, if you're grabbing this from a list that's like a little bit messy and has other stuff kind of floating around in it, feel free to just copy and paste it um, raw as we'll be able to remove those invalid gene names uh, using this tool here. So once we are satisfied, we're gonna go ahead and click on that OK button. And this will go and query all of those genes across all of the TCGA data that we have um, in OmicSoft. So again, there's 12 individual genes. So here we are, um, like I said, we're trying to answer the question of um, what do these genes look like um, when we're looking at different indications or mutation status? So what we're gonna do to answer this question easiest is we're gonna go and select our view at the top here, and we're gonna find the offerings that we have for RNA-seq Quantification. So scrolling down the bottom here, we're gonna expand out um, those options over here. And we're gonna go and choose that heat map FPKM uh, option here. So again, we're gonna to go to select view, RNA seq quantification, and then heat map gene FPKM. This is gonna deliver us all of those genes in a heat map version with all of the samples that are present in TCGA. You can see um, at the bottom here, we have a little color bar to help us figure out how things are clustering based on, by tumor types over here. Now, the first thing that we're going to do is um, we want to specifically ask the question of how do these genes look different between uh, patients that are PIC3CA mutant versus wild type? Now to do this and to be able to use that in our clustering or our sorting, we're going to need to go ahead and add a custom data query here. So this little star at the top of the filter screen is where we're going to visit. We're going to choose this very first option of the Add Omic Data Query. And here we can create a query on all sorts of different things. In our case, we are interested in creating a query based on our somatic mutation status. But you can imagine you could create a a, um, query based on maybe how well expressed these genes are or if they are um, inhibited, so on and so forth. So what I'm gonna do is I am going to, in my gene box at the top here, I'm gonna uh, type in PIC3CA Get a whole list here. So we have our top level gene, or maybe you're interested in the isoforms down below. I'm interested in the top level gene. I am also interested in the uh, somatic mutation status. And here is where we can utilize some filters. If you're looking for a specific uh, indicate or uh, specific mutation, you can enter that here. Maybe you want to have um, different consequences listed here. But for our case, All we want to do is just ask the question of, hey, if a uh, patient contains a mutation, a somatic mutation that is of functional consequence, I want to um, see that kind of parsed out from all of the other wild type samples or samples that have mutations where it's not really doing anything to the gene or the protein itself. So I'm gonna uh, select this exclude mutations without functional consequence. And I'm just going to name my query something that is easy to remember. So I'm going to call it webinar uh, Pick 3 ca uh, mute. And then once I'm done with that, I'm just going to go ahead and click on my OK button. So this is going to um, create this custom query that now we can use to cluster and group our samples in that middle view by. So once I click on OK, it's just working behind the scenes, generating that um, custom query for us. Now we can go and manipulate what we see in the middle here to include that custom query that we just developed here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over to my task tab. So this is where we can go and change what we see in the middle. And there's a whole bunch of different options we can do here. We can um, add different color bars at the bottom. So right now we just have a color bar that's showing us tumor types, but maybe we do want to add in a color bar that is gonna show us um, maybe our disease state or our mutation status. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go over to, once again, that task tab, and I'm gonna go into the customize area, and I am going to choose this change X-axis color bars. So from here, we can have a few different options to add in. So here is our um, different custom queries that we um, have created. So um, in our case, if we were to um, refresh the screen, it would show up here as a, um, as a different uh, custom query here. So we can actually um, do that if you would like or we can go and um, use one of the pre-computed kind of queries that I've already done. So I'm gonna use this uh, PIC3CA mutant overall. So this is going to ask the question of, hey, if these uh, samples are mutant, I want them grouped out on my heat map. So I'm gonna select mutant overall, select the arrow over. I'll select tumor type, and I'm gonna kick that out of this box since I don't really care about it. Another one that's probably very uh, handy to add in here is going to be under metadata, and that will be our disease state. So again, selecting that, using our arrow over to pop that into our Listed Columns box. Now I'm going to go ahead and click on my OK button. So now we have these two bars, these two color bars popping up the bottom here. So now it's just a matter of applying filters to only see the indications that we care about. So here, I'm gonna go over to metadata and I'm going to, um, under the disease state box here, we're gonna choose some disease states that are um, important for this pic mutations. So let's go and grab, say, our um, breast carcinoma. Maybe we're gonna grab our head and neck carcinoma and cervical cancer. So we know that breast and cervical tend to have higher mutation rates. And based on our previous kind of learning, we saw that oral cancer, which is part of head and neck also has um, kind of an increase in these mutations. So here we're gonna go ahead and click on the OK button here. This will narrow down to um, just these individual uh, mutations here. So it looks like we did lose our color bars in the process. So I'm gonna go over to our task tab and just put those color bars back in here. So again, we have our um, Pick Through CA. So here's the one that we generated together since I refreshed my screen here. I'm gonna choose the webinar Pick Through CA Mutant, and I'm also gonna choose my disease uh, state here. Pop that over into our listed columns here. And we're gonna go ahead and click on that OK button. And you'll see that uh, those two color bars showing up at the bottom here. One handy thing to remember is to flip back over to the legend uh, tab. So for the mutation status especially, sometimes we just don't have DNA sequencing uh, information for some of these samples. So I'm actually gonna remove those from my uh, view here. So we don't have to um, wade through those as well. So you can see for the pic 3 ca 8 Webinar, uh, Mutant, we have this missing color, so the yellow. We're going to go kick that out of our view so we can um, better understand what's going on here. So over in our uh, filters on the left-hand side, I'm going to scroll all the way to the bottom here. To I'm sorry, all the way to the top to our custom query uh, filters up here. We're going to go choose that query that we uh, created by opening it up. And here we see our Pic3CA webinar, Pic3CA mutant, and I'm just going to deselect missing. So here you can see when I select that or deselect it, it kicks all of those um, yellows out of the view here. So before I continue on and move into some other topics, um, Tim, I would love to take another live Q&A break here to see if you guys have any questions that have arisen um, during this uh, webinar here.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much, Kristen. So I'm going to launch one last poll to collect some feedback that we, uh, for Omicsoft software to see if you guys uh, find this software useful for your research. So one question is uh, going back to IPA. So let's see if a user finds similar terms between oral tumor and oral cancer. Are they similar? Are they different? Are there easy ways of making sure that, um, what are the similarities and differences between the two to kind of dive into how they're they're, uh, similar or different? Absolutely. So I'm gonna actually
0: pop back over into the IPA software. And I'm gonna show you guys that there are a ton of different tools that we can utilize under our create new button. So what you could do is you could generate say a list of PIC3CA tumors or I'm sorry, oral tumors and then oral cancer, take those lists and generate um, the comparison between those to see what genes are shared and what genes are different between those two different Uh, lists here. So under create new, as we scroll down, you'll notice that we have this compare functionality. So here is where you could say, grab and um, create a list of all of these different genes here. So this button right here, add molecules to my list, you can add all of these molecules to your list, and then maybe go back and generate another network that's connected to um, oral tumor, generate another list and then pop those two lists into that compare tool to figure out what is
1: shared and what is exclusive to those two lists. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to the user who asked that question, if there are any other follow-ups that you have in terms of that, please feel free to use the Q&A box. So now that we, we kind of talked about OmicSoft and public data in Omicsop, are there public data in IPA that users can explore and search for? Absolutely. So all of that
0: data that we've been going through in OmicSoft, um, a portion of that data is available to um, look at in IPA. So if you were interested in, say, looking at head and neck cancer uh, data sets, what you could do is utilize your search box at the very top of the screen here in IPA, switch over to our data sets and analysis search, and then pop into the search box, uh, head, neck, and then just type or click on the search button. Here is where you will get a whole list of different data sets and analyses that are present and available in IPA um, for you to have a look at and compare and contrast with your own data sets that you might have generated um, in-house. So this huge list over here, these are all head and neck related data sets with their associated metadata that is over on the right-hand side. So as you select some of these data sets, you can see this metadata changing. Um, So feel free to have a look at the data that's available um, using these tools. There's a ton of very cool tools where we can add to your comparisons or um, look at different uh, metadata fields. So please feel free to reach out and talk to us to see um, you know, deeper dive into these types of functionalities.
1: And there's just one more question that I want to ask you, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Um, and this regards to OmicSoft, can we create a color bar that shows the mutation status for individual mutations?
0: Absolutely, so what we did together is we just created that general um, data query asking the question of, hey, if these samples have a functional um, uh, functional mutation present, then I want it included um, in my query versus those that do not. If you wanted to very pointedly ask the question of, I wanna see what patients have that H1047R mutation, what you could do is go up to our data queries here. We're gonna add our omics data query. We're gonna pop in that PIC3CA gene. And then instead of uh, choosing the DNA somatic mutation where we just very simply said exclude mutations without functional consequence, what we can do is utilize this contains amino acid specific change here and say H1047R. I just want to see 1047R patients in this particular query here. We'll name it, pictures, DA, H, 1047R. And this is how you can generate that type of query in OmicSoft, which now you can go and um, select a color bar to
1: display that information there. Thank you very much, Kristen. I know you have a little more uh, materials to cover, so I'll pass it back to you.
0: Great. So um, just uh, to let you guys know, it does seem that we are running a little bit over time. So um, if you can stay, we're going to go through a few more really cool features in IPA and OmicSoft. Um, If you can't stay past 2.30 um, by about 5 to 10 minutes, then you can always um, watch this on a recording. So I thank you for uh, joining if you have to drop off. Okay, so we uh, last left off in OmicSoft, we regenerated a heat map and we were adding in color bars, but it looks like when I was showing you guys some of these um, examples here, it messed with our color bars. So let's go back and add those in. So I'm gonna go back over to our task tab, gonna add in, actually, before we go to the task tab, just to save ourselves a little bit of time, let's make sure that we are selected on our relevant disease state. So let's just make sure that yes, those filters indeed did carry over. And we are looking at just breast, cervical, and um, head and neck cancers. So we are good to go there. So now let's go back over to our task tab. And we're gonna go and visit our change x axis color bars once again. So we'll choose our webinar, pick 3 ca mutant, we'll kick out tumor type, We will also include in our disease state here. So we now have all of our breast, cervical and and head and neck cancer samples here. We have them uh, organized by our, or rather clustered, by our disease state and mutation status. We can see that we are doing um, unsupervised hierarchical clustering by this um, little dendrogram at the top here, designating that we're clustering on our x-axis as well as our y-axis. So say you wanted to not cluster based on this hierarchical clustering, and you just simply wanted to um, cluster based on your disease state or based on your mutation status here. So here we're gonna go and choose this hide x-axis dendrogram. This will um, shut that dendrogram off and shut off the hierarchical clustering, which now we can go and sort the heat map columns however we choose to. So I'm gonna select our sort heat map columns uh, thing here, and we can choose to first sort by our disease state. So we're gonna cluster together all of the um, diseases together. So under metadata, I'm gonna go to disease state. And then after we've clustered by disease state, we're gonna cluster by our custom query of, is there a functionally relevant uh, mutation present or not? So once we've set this up, we can go ahead and click on our OK button. And you could see here that our color bars has shifted a little bit. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, keeping track of what stuff is in that color bar is a little bit um, difficult. since we only have those two colors popping up. So if we travel back over to our legend tab, we can go and um, change these different uh, colors into something that's a little bit easier to, to view here. So maybe we want to change our mutants from this blue color, I'm going to right click on that blue color and click on change color. Let's just change that to a pink color. So now we have our mutants showing up in pink. And I'm going to do the same thing by right clicking on that green box next to wild type, change color. Maybe we want to change over to gold. And you can see here how we can change those colors here. And depending on how you're sorting and how you are divvying up these different um, these different uh, color bars and how you're filtering your data, you'll be able to elucidate um, some really interesting differences in uh, genes here. So it looks like these four genes seem to be heavily upregulated in our head and neck cancer versus they're kind of on the cooler side or down-regulated in our um, reproductive organ cancer groups. Also kind of interesting to see that we have uh, these samples also showing us that they are down-regulated in a, Subset of the mutant samples versus some of the wild type samples. So you can imagine the world really is your oyster when it comes to those color bars and trying to figure out what's going on with your data there. Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit and go back into IPA. So I'm going to close out of this uh, view that we were going through during the break. And we're gonna visit our pathway that we generated before. So we connected PIC3CA to oral cancer, and we um, you know, asked the question of how does PIC3CA affect that oral cancer? How does it affect it through all of these different molecules? So now what we can do is do some in silico testing of uh, the relationship between PIC3CA and um, oral cancer and how it affects this network. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna travel over into our overlay tools. In this overlay toolbox, there are a lot of very relevant tools here, but the first one that I wanna show you today is gonna be our Molecule Activity Predictor. What this guide does is it allows us to color different nodes on this network with um, different colors indicating what would happen if there was an increased measurement scene and that's going to be with our red paint bucket or what would happen if there was a decreased measurement scene and that's going to be our green paint bucket. So I'm going to go ahead and grab our red paint bucket and then I'm going to go into our network map and I'm going to color PIC3CA in red to see what happens to the rest of the network when I upregulate pick pic PIC3CA or we have a um, sample cohort that has a lot of activating mutations and and that's um, introducing a lot of activity from uh, the PI3K uh, protein here. So here we see the upregulation of PIK3CA is leading to um, the predicted activation or inhibition in our um, oranges and blues. So you'll see sporadically throughout this network here And then at the end of the day, you'll see over here, we have uh, oral cancer showing up in orange, which is indicating that we have a predicted activation of oral cancer when PIC3CA is measured to be increased. Now let's uh, turn this on its head and ask the question of what happens if I decrease um, PIC3CA in our system? So what if I introduce my an um, in, inhibitor drug into my um, experiment here. So I'm going to go and color PIC3CA in with, uh, or with um, green, rather. And that, again, is signifying that we have a decrease in PIC3CA. So it is going to increase and decrease a few of these intermediate kind of molecules along the way. But at the end of the day, it looks like it is contributing to a predicted inhibition of oral cancer as shown here by this blue color. So this can be a very, very helpful tool to use um, before you even go over to the bench. So just by a show of hands, I'm really interested to see, do you think you guys will be using this molecule activity predictor tool in your future research? So if you could raise your hand there and let me know if you think this would be a really um, relevant tool for you guys to use in your future endeavors. Yeah, me too. I thought this is a very cool function of IPA. It looks like lots of folks are indeed um, excited by this um, feature here. Now, another tool that we can talk about while we are in IPA here is going to be our pattern search. So I wanna ask the question of maybe I wanna see what other indications have this increased pick 3 ca um, expression, which then are leading to um, a similar network signature, as well as maybe an increase in some um, cancer uh, downstream functions here. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna click on our pattern search button here, and that will search and um, find any other publicly available data sets that have a similar or dissimilar um, pattern of activation and inhibition as we see on this screen uh, for this particular network here. So what, we're, what we have here is we are presented with a volcano plot that doesn't look very volcano-y. However, um, on the bottom here, we have a Z-score um, presented on our x-axis. So our positive Z-scores are shown on the right-hand side and a positive Z-score is telling us that we are mostly matching to what we saw on our previous screen that we ran the pattern search on versus on the left-hand side of the screen, we have a negative Z-score. So this is showing us that we have data sets that are anti-matching to what we saw on that previous screen. So the opposite effect here. Now on the y axis, we have our inverse um, log 10 p value showing us the higher up on this axis, the more significant these findings are. And each of these individual little dots are individual data sets that may or may not match to what we saw on that previous screen here. So I'm going to select a handful of these data sets just by drawing a box around a few on the right hand side. And you'll see here they're highlighted in uh, green and a whole bunch of information pops up at the bottom here. We can scroll through and look at the metadata and you'll notice that we see a lot of um, different other cancers as we scroll down the list here. We might see some interesting things popping out to us like arthritis is an interesting one. Um, We have chronic uh, obstructive pulmonary disease that seem to be sharing similar biology for that PIC3CA network that we saw in um, our uh, oral cancer network that we generated together. So again, this is a great uh, way that we can expand beyond maybe cancer indications into non-oncological diseases that have relevant um, shared biology going on here. Now the inverse of this is let's select some um, anti-matching. So these are going to be situations where we are moving away, let me minimize this. We are moving from what we saw in this network here where PIC3CA is activated and contributing to a more activated cancer state. Um, The anti-matching that we see on the screen here is gonna be samples that have PIC3CA in a um, decreased measurement or a less kind of activated state. So these can be really interesting indications or um, data sets rather, where there are some um, different treatments here. We can see that we have some MEK inhibitors that are popping up in this list. A BRAF inhibitor, actually two BRAF inhibitors are popping up here. So these are showing that um, maybe some of these other treatments can be used perhaps in combination with the therapy that we had to help move these patients from that disease state back to that um, less activated, more normal state here. So again, really excellent tool to just very quickly um, survey a bunch of publicly available data that is present in IPA to um, expand your horizons and try to find new indications um, in oncology or non-oncology type uh, data sets. So just by a show of hands, who here um, thinks that they're gonna be utilizing this pattern search feature in their future endeavors as well. Again, another very cool feature um, that's in IPA. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I think this is a very cool feature um, as well. Really helps get to um, your answers quickly. Now, before I end the webinar and move on to another Q&A break here, I did want to just very quickly visit some of the other very cool um, overlay functions that we have in our um, toolbox here. So we looked at Molecule Activity Predictor, but the very first guy on the list, this analysis data sets and lists, you could generate a custom network much like we did today. And then once you have data in hand, you can overlay that on top of this network to see how this network is faring. Um, you know, depending on the data that you have in hand, or better yet, you can go and overlay in some of that publicly available data that you might have searched by. So definitely feel free to have a look at that feature there. Another helpful overlay features will be the drug feature. So are there any uh, drugs that are out there in the wild that might be targeting different uh, nodes on my pathway? Very cool tool if you're looking for combination therapy partners, perhaps, so on and so forth. We do also have um, subcellular location overlays. So if you wanted to really drill down into, okay, I see that these live in the plasma membrane, but where exactly in the plasma membrane, do these uh, lie? That's where we can overlay in some subcellular location uh, information. We can also ask the question, have any of these... um, these molecules been used as biomarkers before in different indications? Are they uh, diagnosis biomarkers? Are they um, efficacy biomarkers? So on and so forth. So lots of different cool overlay features that I would love for you guys to have a look at and play around with. It really can help you um, make a uh, molehill out of a mountain. you know, that adage that's make a mountain out of a molehill, where we can um, you know, really get through your data quickly and get to that scientific understanding to lead your indication expansion and drug repurposing efforts at your um, particular institution here. Now with that, we went through a ton of information here. So we went through OmicSoft, where we had a look at PIC3CA as a gene itself and uh, what types of somatic mutations were present for that gene that are prevalent for um, activating mutations. We had to look at different cancer indications and honed in on uh, oral cancer as a potential uh, interesting target for PIK3CA inhibitors. We had to look at um, some of the genes and what they do across these different mutant versus wild type statuses for PIK3CA. Um, that are involved in these important cancer pathways. And then we did spend lots of time today playing around in IPA and generating a network from scratch, connecting our target of interest to a downstream outcome of that um, oral cancer, and then played around with our in silico experimentation tools. And then asked the question of where else do we see this biology out there? And maybe are there uh, drugs or biomarkers or different and different things that we could potentially dig into, um, according you know, looking at this biology a little bit closer. So with that, I definitely want to thank you guys for your time. Thanks for sticking around if you were able to. If you're looking at this and you're as a recording, thank you for joining us um, via recording. And I am more than happy to take any more questions that have popped up along the way here.
1: Well, thank you very much, Kristen. And once again, thank you to all of the attendees and participants for being interactive, for asking questions, for raising your hand during the webinar. And we went through two of the software uh, in the Kyogen portfolio. So Kristen, one question that I had was, where can we find more information on how to generate core analysis in IPA for those users who may be new to... IPA and who may be new to the analysis in the software.
0: Absolutely. So I'm gonna just pop back into my slides here. So we have a wealth of information in these slides. So if you were looking to perhaps look at some of these uh, previous recordings here in the first couple of slides in the slide deck from today, there's a whole bunch of new user trainings, subject specific trainings. Uh, That's one place that you could go In IPA itself, if you remember, we had that quick start screen that had a lot of different uh, step by step tutorials here that can also be accessed using our help uh, menu. Uh, While I'm actually talking about the help menu here, one thing that I did forget to mention while we were going through things are these very handy question marks and video icons. If you ever have a question about what we are looking at currently on the screen, you can always click on the um, question mark to get to the help pages for this specific view. Or you can click on this little video icon to give you a video for what you're looking at here um, itself. Now popping back into my slides, another thing that I did wanna highlight is I have been generating this uh, list of step-by-step instructions for things that are commonly generated in OmicSoC as well as IPA, including things like data uploads. So these are also contained in that slide deck that you have um, that Tim has been sharing the link to in the chat box. So feel free to click on these links to go to some slides that walk you through things step-by-step. Step. So all of that there for um, your help as well. And then finally, but definitely not least, reach out to us. We love helping you guys out, um, especially if you have some very specific questions that you, know, you just are wrecking your brain about and you can't get to those answers. That's what we're here for. We're more than happy to um, help you out. And again, you can find us at um, all of those emails that are listed at the um, on the first couple slides of this presentation here.
1: Well, thank you very much, Kristen. And uh, maybe we can wait for a couple of seconds, maybe 30 seconds, to see if there's any questions that people are typing in the QA box. So while we're waiting for the last remaining questions, once again, just want to thank everybody for attending. Thank you, Kristen, for giving us that amazing story of how to use OmicSoft and IPA to look at uh, indicators, to look at drug repurposing. Thank you to Nicole and Paul for hanging around to see and answer any licensing questions that people may have in in the audience. So I'm going to go ahead and hit uh, stop recording